You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. It's interesting because really in Reading, it's sort of a tale of two markets. You know, there's, there's everyone within the Bethel bubble who tends to go to their own coffee shop and to attend, you know, their own um, Saturday outdoor market. You can go to a Saturday outdoor market and you literally will only see people in their hipster clothing, you know, set worship music playing in the background from a live band. You go down the street to another market, it's a completely different crowd. It's the local Reading crowd. There's no worship music. There's no hipster clothes. There's just fresh fruits and vegetables. So it's, it's sort of like there's actually two alternate markets happening. And this is one of the things that people are concerned about. That yes, Bethel is bringing in new life and new blood and, and new dollars. But how many of those dollars are actually just circulating within members of the church? This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. Episode 2, The City of Reading. As I settle into this exploration of Bethel Church in Redding, California, what I'm quickly realizing is that as much as this season is about a church and its people, it's also about the growing influence and impact that this church has on the city itself. So on this episode, as we dig a little deeper into Bethel's practices and core beliefs, we'll also get a real vibe for the town it's such a huge part of. First up, I want to welcome back Annalise Pierce, our investigative journalist who lives in Reading. She describes it as a small interstate town about an hour south of Oregon. It's often thought of as the Bible Belt of California. Um, Reading's about 90,000 people, um, a highly conservative, um, low-income area. Really genuine, kind people here, but yeah, very, very conservative and very... uh, Most people who've lived here have lived here for a long time. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I would have totally made a road trip to Reading myself. From my home in Vancouver, without traffic or stopping, it's about a 12-hour drive. I could have interviewed people face-to-face. I could have witnessed for myself what it's like to be in a Bethel service. Bethel is a very experiential church to attend or be a part of. Um, I sometimes refer to Bethel as the Disneyland of Christian evangelicalism. It's a church where when you go, um, very few things are off limits when it comes to how you express worship or experience God. Um, The services are filled with people who are in their upper teens and 20s who are experiencing God in really wild ways. Um, Kind of reminds you of a rock concert a lot of times. The music's loud, the lights are dim. There's laughing and crying and people rolling around on the floors. It's a very safe space for people who want to just experience God without limits and without boundaries, as I think a lot of young people do. According to Annalise, not everyone, but lots of people in the community find Bethel attendees and its students to be really kind and well-intentioned individuals. When you meet them in public, they're kind of recognizable for their hipster clothes and their bright smiles. 
And there's quite a lot of talk in the community that these people have all drunk the Kool-Aid. Um, why are they so happy? And wh why did they come here to pay for the, the privilege of attending this church? There's a lot of confusion about why anyone would feel that this is something worthwhile paying for. Reading isn't really a, a well-known destination in California. It's you know extremely hot in the summers. It's a small interstate town with, yes, a lot of beauty around it. But a lot of people feel that, that the amount of influence that Bill Johnson and Chris Ballatin have over these students and attenders is really unusual and strange. Um, almost anything that Bill or Chris does can be found repeated frequently or quoted frequently by these students. And, and it almost doesn't matter how strange it is, it seems to be picked up. Chris Ballatin, that's Bethel leader Bill Johnson's right-hand man. The two families, so the Johnsons and the Valatins, actually started out as neighbors in a nearby mountain town called Weaverville. It's about an hour outside Reading. Before they all transferred to Bethel in 1996-97, they pastored in Weaverville together for around 17 years. Today, along with some of their grown children, they lead Bethel's local community of more than 11,000 worshipers who, quote, exist to ignite individual hearts until heaven meets earth. I want to say that again for any of you who aren't familiar with this kind of language. They are a community of worshipers who exist to ignite individual hearts until heaven meets earth. But what does that even mean? It's a statement I've ripped right off the Bethel website. And from what sense I've made of it so far, it links directly back to Bethel's core belief and I'm ultra-simplifying it here, but it's called kingdom theology. And this is the belief that Christians have the natural ability to manifest the kingdom of God here on earth. And the more Christians worship and practice the gifts of the Spirit, so speaking in tongues, healing the sick, prophesying, the more they do all these things, the fuller God's kingdom will become. And when God's kingdom comes into absolute fullness, that's when they say Jesus will return to earth and take all the Christians, living and dead, up to heaven. At Bethel, they believe this is what we were created for, to manifest the kingdom of God here on earth. And the sooner, the better. That's why, and I've definitely noted this, there is a concerted effort in the greater Bethel community, but especially from students of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which is also known as BSSM. It's this concerted effort to spread this information, this kingdom theology, to as many people who are willing to hear it. It's called witnessing. In general, it is quite common to be approached by members of BSSM asking to pray for you. Um, and many people really dislike it, um, particularly this, the disabled community. Many people in wheelchairs or with issues with walking are approached very repeatedly, sometimes multiple times in a week, especially during the beginning of the BSSM school year when there's many new students here with a lot of zeal and fervor. There's a lot of online chatter from local business owners about their customers complaining that Bethel students are bothering them while they're trying to shop, buy a dress, fill a prescription, or whatever. Many of these businesses have actually put up signs that state no religious solicitation. But despite their behavior being incredibly polarizing in the community, and especially offensive amongst many locals in the disabled community, people who honestly say they don't want to be healed, Bethel presses on, even coming up with a sort of game 
to make witnessing more fun. It's a essentially a prophetic exercise where you turn your attention to God and ask God for some clues for the treasure that you're going to find. Somebody that he cares about that's part of his kingdom that he wants to deliver a special message to. And they're, they're the treasure you're hunting for. Basically, from what it sounds like, a group of students or just regular Bethel folk, they gather around before they go out and collectively they use their gut or their spiritual gut or their imagination, whatever you want to call it, and they come up with a whole bunch of clues. Clues that they believe will lead them out into the community to find a stranger who needs a healing or maybe some kind of encouraging word. After you get these clues, which which might be things like red sweatshirt or blonde hair or looks afraid or Arby's. After you get these clues, then you drive to whatever location you feel directed to by the Holy Spirit, whether that's just driving around in town or going straight to Arby's if you got that that specific word. Once you get there, you you know, look around the crowd and if you see someone wearing a red sweatshirt with blonde hair who looks scared, you're your gold. You've got all your clues right there. You go straight to that person and and ask God, what do they want to tell that person? Asking if you can give them a message from God, that they're God's treasure tonight, and that, that you want to give them a message directly from God for their heart. Treasure hunting, I believe, was originally developed by Kevin Dedman. Okay. Ready? Ready, set, go. Okay, well, my name is Kevin Dedman, and I've been in ministry since 1981. I've planted churches, pastored churches. Kevin Dedman is my next guest. He's been a Bethel member for more than 18 years, and he's a former teacher at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And of course, I created the Treasure Hunt and the Treasure Hunt book and the whole strategy in about 2003. Kevin tells me that God gave him the initial idea for treasure hunting to help take away some of that awkwardness that comes from repeatedly approaching strangers out in public, like they do at Bethel. Man, I just, there was something in me that just felt like we're always like trying to push things on people and bugging people who don't really want to be bugged. And I thought, this is just, it just feels awkward. So said, Lord, I don't really feel like even witnessing anymore because it feels so awkward and embarrassing. And it feels embarrassing for the people like we're invading their space all the time. And it's just not fun. Like the people who are coming out with us, they'd make up excuses like, oh, I've got to go to the dentist. It's like they scheduled a dental appointment instead of going out street witnessing or going door to door. It was so painful for them. They'd rather, you know, go to a dentist and get their teeth done without any Novocaine or anything, I guess. Treasure hunting basically starts with a treasure map, which is really just a piece of paper. But on it, there's a grid with five different categories of clues to fill in before you head out. One would be a location. Another would be a person's name. And then what they might be wearing, what they need uh, healing for or miracle for or prayer for, and then something unusual. So there were five categories And in each one of those categories, I'd have six spaces. So you'd have six locations, six names, uh, six articles of clothing, um, you know, and it could even be like a tattoo or earrings or butterfly glasses, anything like that. And then uh, what they need prayer for. 
and then anything unusual like a tire, flat tire, or ice cream cone, or pizza, something like that. Treasure hunts are now done by Christians all over the world, and many of them have been documented and posted to YouTube. You want to tell one or two? Um, we were looking for, on our sheet, we got somebody uh, with, that was hairy. Like I had a lot of hair. Not the name Harry. And then we also uh, wrote down elbow. And so I saw this guy by the bathroom there, and uh, he had a lot of hair. And so I went over there and said, hey, can you help me out? Um, I was praying this morning. I feel like, you know, we wrote down some stuff. I'm looking for somebody who has problem with their elbows. I don't know why I said this, but I just said, hey, uh, how's your elbow? And he kind of gave me the funny look. Um, This week, I banged my elbow into a door, and I think I sprained it. For the most part, the treasure hunts, the ones that are shared online anyway, they result in some kind of positive and meaningful interaction with a stranger. But I'm going to take a flying stab that not all treasure hunts pan out that way, right? I'm sure there's plenty of ditched footage of strangers that get rubbed the wrong way about being approached like that. I bet there's also countless times where the clues on their treasure map just didn't connect. And then what? I, you know, I've had words of knowledge for people where I said, hey, do you have a problem with your left shoulder? And they're like, no, but I have a problem with my right shoulder. And they ended up getting healed because I said, I can take care of that. And so what we teach people is to relax, rest in who they are, And then, yes, certainly grow in competency. And some people are more extroverted than others. But, you know, for the introverts, I say, just go find one treasure and hang out with that one treasure for 45 minutes or an hour. And the extroverts are going to basically go and find 10 different treasures. Kevin says that receiving a prophetic word from a stranger like this, maybe receiving a healing to boot, These things, he says, make it much easier to convince people on the streets of Reading or wherever that what they believe at Bethel is real and true. He also said that during his 13 years as a teacher, he saw treasure hunting result in countless locals being brought into the church. I'll never forget one lady. She was getting baptized and she was sharing her testimony to the thousand people who were there. And and, uh, she said, Well, I got saved because I was found by treasure hunters four times. And on the fifth time I was found, I couldn't resist any longer. And I received Jesus. And now I've been walking with him for three months. And now I'm here tonight to be baptized. And she was about 60 years old. She said that after the second time, she actually changed her schedule to, to go out on Thursday afternoons when she knew the treasure hunters were out in the city, just hoping she'd get found again and wanting to be convinced. So that's pretty cool. I'll be right back after this quick message. In Reading, people in the Bethel community make up more than 10% of the city population. This has not only given them a palpable presence around town, it's also given them a powerful sway in civic elections. And Bethel's influence in local government is a growing concern for lots of residents. I'd like to move item 9A, which is to accept the donation of $25,000 from Bethel Church to um, follow this item. 
This recording is from a Reading City Council meeting back in December 2017. The matter at hand was whether or not to accept $25,000 from Bethel for a brand new pair of police drones. Council, I'm going to recuse myself from that vote. That's Julie Winter excusing herself from the vote. She was elected as a city council member a few years prior to this and more recently ended her time as mayor. In Reading, mayor is a rotating position. And she recuses herself from every council matter that involves Bethel because she's an elder in the church and one of the main people that Bethel critics are concerned about. The first speaker is Chris Vallotton. That's the Chris Vallotton, Bethel's associate pastor, Bill Johnson's right-hand man. Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. Um, I'm Bethel. I'm Chris Vallotton from Bethel Church. I'm not Bethel Church, but <laughs> obviously. Um, we... Chris is also a co-founder of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And he's considered by the church and by many of his international followers to be a prophet of God. The biggest prophecy that he's got on the table right now is that Trump will win a second term in the upcoming 2020 presidential election. Um, we uh, know that Bethel Church is very concerned about our city. And um, we've, spent, um, we've raised about, you know, we've, we've agreed to raise $1.2 million to help with the, keep the MPU officers. So we're very concerned about how effective our police officers are. And we know that they're undermanned. So we had a conversation with the chief of police um, probably about three months ago and just talking about how can we help further. And we were talking about the MPU project and is there any other way we could help further? And he brought me back a budget of $25,000 to both buy the uh, UAVs and also train the officers. And we decided that we would fund them. That's the whole story. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for your offer. Chris paints a really simple picture of a church with a big heart and deep pockets. And it is, no doubt. In 2018, and this is just one of many examples of Bethel's generosity and heart, Bethel offered $1,000 to every family who had lost their home during Shasta County's devastating car wildfire, which at the time was the sixth most destructive wildfire in state history. But as I've mentioned, not everyone in Reading sees Bethel as this benevolent provider. All right. Hello. Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak. Uh, my name is David Robbins, um, longtime resident of Reading and Shasta County. Um, I had a couple concerns over the um, the drone program, the gifting um, by Bethel Church. Um, uh, what comes to mind is violation of separation of church and state. I know that particularly in our town, the line between that has been blurry um, over the past couple decades. And um, I'm not alone in my concerns about that. The council also heard from a man named Nicholas Gilliam. Can I get this stool? <clears throat> All right. Um, along with uh, David, I'm another uh, concerned uh, lifelong resident of Shasta County. Uh, I'm very concerned about the uh, Bethel Church's funding of this project. It seems like a warning sign that the city's priorities are lying more in uh, sweeping our most vulnerable people under the rug so that uh, out-of-town worshipers won't be bothered by the consequences of failed and failing systems. Um, I feel like... Nicholas uh, Gilliam shared his belief that Bethel has an alternative motive for wanting to clean up the city. 
He says it's really about making Reading more appealing to all of its international guests, which up until COVID, there were more than 50,000 of every year. And he fears that the drones could be used to do things like unfairly target the homeless by finding illegal campsites, many of them in the nearby Shasta County wilderness. And we will not conduct random surveillance activities. That's Redding's chief of police at the time, Roger Moore, attempting to squash any concerns ahead of the council vote. We're to target persons based solely on individual characteristics, such as but not limited to race, ethnicity, national origin, religious affiliation, disability, gender, or sexual orientation. And again, I want to emphasize these UAVs will not be weaponized. Are there any questions? Do you have a question? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Chief. Um, a few things. I there was one brief question from a council member about beefing up the privacy policy, but overall, he was very much in favor of Bethel's drone donation. And moments later, the council quickly voted to accept. And so I appreciate, uh, like again, the offer, and I agree with my fellow council members. I'll support the motion. So I'll call for the vote. All in favor? Aye. Aye. And no opposed. Motion passes, and thank you very much. In a more recent civic election, Bethel's Julie Winter was nearly joined on council by someone else from Bethel who ran for office. With more insight, here again is Annalise Pierce. And both of them got extraordinarily high amounts of votes based on one of them with, with almost no publicity, with almost no you know, he wasn't known in the community at all and very little signage, et cetera. So again, no evidence, but this feeling that there are enough people behind anyone who runs for council at Bethel with 11,000 attenders locally, there's enough people that would vote for that, that they could get it through. And then once they get those people into power, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter if somebody is directly handing them a favor for money. They still have people in power who um, who will champion their viewpoints and their ideas. Over the years, Bethel has, in various ways, provided the city with a lot of money, including more than $1.5 million to the police department alone. But Annalise says there's no real evidence that anything illegal is going on. There's no evidence of that. Um, there's no evidence that Bethel somehow donated money and in exchange received favor. There's a lot of, of course, speculating, suspicions, concerns. One of these concerns is that all these donations, that was just Bethel paying off the city for future building permits. And there were some extremely controversial building permits that were later granted permits for Bethel's new 39-acre church and school campus, a state-of-the-art campus with an estimated cost of nearly $100 million. They've secured the absolutely huge property, but fundraising is still underway. And Bill Johnson says when complete, it will allow Bethel to follow through with a God-given mandate to, quote, host the nations in greater capacity. What a terrifying thought to people who already feel like Bethel is overshadowing the whole town. Okay. Um, I'm Robert. Robert is a graduate of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and he lived in Reading for nearly five years. Uh, my last name is Luyasinovich, which is really difficult 
Um, I can spell it out for you later, I'm sure. Robert started BSSM in the fall of 2002. He'd been sponsored by a church that he'd got involved with after he graduated high school. This was back in his home state of Nevada. Because I was kind of in a situation where I had no money. I was just dropped off in Reading. Um, I was given a little bit of cash and told, go find a place to live with some other students and we'll send you money for like your bills. Robert is originally from the former Yugoslavia. His family moved to America when he was six, first to New York, and then Reno when he was a teenager. Nevada, Reno, Nevada, that's where Robert says he got mixed up with drugs and started getting into trouble a lot. But eventually, he started hanging out with a different crowd. So I ended up just hanging out with a group of friends that were into skateboarding and sports, and they also happened to be Christians. Um, So they would do these events at their church where they'd have like skate ramps outside and then you could skate there for as long as you want, but you had to like go into the service or I don't know. I don't know if it was even a rule, but it was like expected, like people would be out there staring at you if you didn't. Um, So I ended up just going in and then I just was like, well, I mean, this is whatever, like all my friends are doing this and I don't want to go back to like my old group of friends. So this is kind of like, I need to fit in and just kind of like join this crowd. So I ended up just like going to church a lot and most of the time not believing anything. Um, For me, it was just like a way to hang out with my friends more. Not long after joining this church group, still fairly fresh out of high school, the leaders of this Reno congregation offered him the chance to attend Bible school. And I had my pick of a seminary in Oregon or something with the word supernatural in it. And that's how Robert wound up at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. I mean, a lot of the things that people do, like the students will go out and pray for people in public. And they got to a point where certain businesses banned them from coming in unless they were buying something. Um, Because they would just start talking to everybody, putting their hands on people. You know, if there was a woman in a wheelchair, like everybody would just like mob them like a bunch of zombies and start praying for them. And it was, it was just wild. So the public really did not appreciate the students. Like there was constantly like kind of like a point of contention with Reading um, citizens and all these students that come from everywhere, you know. In a normal year, BSSM welcomes about 2,500 students. 40% of them are international. But wherever they're coming from, they all need a place to stay. And for many of them, a way to financially support themselves. At the time, like I had a really hard time finding a job in Reading when I first got there because unemployment was really high. It's just a small town, you know. The only real jobs are like retail or like, you know, basic service jobs. And I remember having a hard time finding a job. They told me that a witch had put a curse on me. And I said, oh, I don't know if I know any witches. And they said, do you know, do you know any, are there any lesbians that you knew that you're friends with from back home? And I said, yeah. And they're like, well, is there a chance they could be witches? And I said, I don't know. And they're like, well, they could be. I said, okay. (laughs) So there's a lot of like weird stuff that they would bring up that didn't really make a lot of sense. But at the time you're like, well, I don't know if they're witches or not. So maybe. I mean, I can't get a job. Maybe that's why. You know, you just get so indoctrinated 
and just this is all you hear and all you breathe every day, all day. And you're only listening to their music. You're only reading their books. And outside of school, you're only hanging out with other students. So you never really get a chance to like get a breath, you know. Eventually, Robert did get a job and a decent place to live and actually completed all three years of the BSSM program. One of the most striking things when I showed up was that um, they often said from the pulpit that God did not choose for revival to come to Reading, but he, he, God chose Bill Johnson and then Bill Johnson chose Reading. And that's one of the things they repeated constantly because they always talked about Bill Johnson as the apostle, you know? And so since he's the apostle, God has anointed him for like revival and he chose Reading to be the place. So there was always this thing where like, whenever there was any strife or contention or, or things were bad between Bethel and like people who lived in Reading, there was always this thing like, yeah, but this is our city. So it's not really yours. Next time on Heaven Bent. Hello, everyone. Today is the day, registration day for BSSM, uh, Bethel School Supernatural Ministry. It's a very interesting model because essentially, you know, these students are paying for the privilege to work for the city of Reading for free. They do have us all, of course, wearing masks, which during worship is a little weird to try and staying with a mask on your face. I had no idea what it was. I just thought it was like a group of Christians and for some reason they had an emphasis on doing things supernatural. I just thought the supernatural meant paranormal. Like I thought it had something to do with ghosts. And I was like, well, that seems like a crazy place. That might be fun.